Hello, welcome to Flower Butter Egg Sugar. My name's Kate, I'm the host of this podcast and today I'm going to be talking to you about an Earl Grey and Rose tea loaf uh, which I really surprised myself by really liking um, and also some of the Easter baking that I have been doing. Um, so let's get started. So this Earl Grey and Rose tea loaf is part of the florals for spring month where we're going to be experimenting with some different floral flavours and seeing whether or not I'm going to like them um, and how they can be used. So uh, I love Earl Grey, which is already quite a floral kind of flavour, but I've always loved Earl Grey, that kind of bergamot um, that you get in it. And then the other thing was that the rose I wasn't particularly sure about because I've never really given it a chance I guess um I've always kind of associated it with you know uh potpourri and knicker drawers and things like that I've never really associated it with a delicious flavor so I wanted to try this out to see if it was something that I could go for and I thought the Earl Grand Rose would be a kind of interesting combination um and I really shocked myself by really really liking this um, so much so that I had to make it again and again. I've made this cake maybe about six times now. And I've made it with vanilla and Earl Grey about three or four times. And I've made it with rose um, a few times too. So it's a really, really excellent cake. This is based on one by uh, Molly Baz, um, which I've linked to on the website which is flowerbuttereggsugar.com and she just uses Earl Grey and vanilla which is really really good. The combination of Earl Grey and vanilla if you've never tried it I would really urge you to have a go because it's absolutely delicious. Um, I mentioned it in the shortbread episode it's just a really winning flavour combination. You need quite a lot of um, vanilla because you really want to get really really get that taste Rather than it being a background flavour, it wants to really come to the front. Um, and especially since Earl Grey is quite strong. So I would recommend using a bit more than she says. I use a, a whole tablespoon of vanilla extract or paste when I make it. Um, and yeah, and you also want some high quality Earl Grey bags, I would say, or, t- or loose leaf tea. So um, yeah. So as long as you use those, it will be very, very nice. Um, And this is a yoghurt cake, so it makes it really um, moist. It lasts really well, especially because the fat used in it is vegetable oil. So the combination of that yoghurt and the vegetable oil makes this a really well-keeping cake. Um, To be honest, it's, it's good on day one, it's good on day two, and it's almost as good on day three. And it's still pretty good on day four. So uh, it's a it's a cake that's really, uh, you know, really good to have around and keep on your counter and just slice off when you feel like it. So in terms of ingredients, what you will need for this cake is two UK large eggs, which are about 60 grams each. Um, 250 grams of castor or superfine, su- superfine sugar. The original recipe uses granulated, which is more common in America, so I'm sure that would be absolutely fine too. Um, 190 grams of vegetable oil, 235 grams of full-fat Greek yogurt, 
um, three tablespoon of three tablespoons of Earl Grey tea leaves. Um, I use loose leaf tea or high quality tea bags is fine as well. Um, two teaspoons of rose water and I used Seenberg's, which um, was about right. Um, but you could, I think they vary in terms of how strong they are. Or a tablespoon of vanilla paste or extract. Um, 250 grams of plain or all-purpose flour. You can also use white spelt flour here if you like. Um, half a teaspoon of bicarbonate of soda or baking soda. And half a teaspoon of baking powder. And um, finally, a quarter teaspoon of fine salt. Um, so those are your ingredients. Um, and then the method is that you want to uh, prepare a light coloured standard loaf pan, which is about two pounds and 900 grams. Um, I do find that these vary. So I used um, one that I bought really recently, which is a little bit smaller than my other one. So I don't really understand why they're all different sizes but um this one that i used is slightly on the smaller side and i also used one that's silver um previously i've been using quite a thick black loaf pan and i found that in my oven it really tends to like burn um a, a large cake um even if it's cooked really really low so that's why i invested in a silver one and I'm still going to use the black one, but I'm going to use it for bread, which can have a nice, you know, thick crust. And that's fine. Whereas for cake, I do like the um, I do like having a, a bit of browning on the outside um, because it produces complex flavours. Um, but not. Yeah, you don't want it burnt. You don't want it a really thick crust on a cake, um, really. Um, and then you preheat your oven to 160 degrees C, um, which is 140 degrees C fan or 320 degrees Fahrenheit or gas three. Um, make sure that you preheat this well in advance because you really want it to be a steady constant temperature for the whole bake. If the temperature rises as it's baking, um, you're going to end up with like a cake that's uh, overcooked on the outside and then raw in the middle. So it is worth making sure that this, this is like preheated really, really well and it's got a really steady oven temperature. Um, you also will want to like pre um, prepare the pan by greasing it. I always use the fact that it's in the recipe, so I used vegetable oil, um, a little bit of vegetable oil, and then I lined the base and sides. Um, the base and the long sides, I should say. Um, so you also then want to grind your Earl Grey because what I found was if I don't grind it, then it's um, too kind of twiggy um, and there's sort of these big bits that you can't chew through and they get stuck in your teeth. Um, but I measure it before I grind it. So I measure out the three tablespoons, then I grind it because otherwise you have too much too much tea. And it's a bit overpowering. Um, and you want that to be as fine as you can as fine as you can get it without. I mean, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be um like a powder, but you don't want you certainly don't want any kind of big twiggy bits in there. Um, once you've done that, then you need to whisk your eggs and sugar 
for quite a long time as if you're sort of making a chiffon cake. So until they're sort of two or three times the volume that they were. And that's going to add a lot of lift to the cake and give it a really nice light texture. Um, then you add the oil, the yogurt and the rose water or vanilla down the side and whisk that in. And what I found was that if all of my ingredients were at room temperature, it really helped um, to get them evenly incorporated. So I was I, I, I started warming my yogurt in the microwave just a very small amount to get it sort of to room temperature. And I also kind of, because I was using Greek yogurt, I just like loosened it up a little bit before I put it in as well. So I definitely would recommend doing that. Um, and then you will add your, then you sort of whisk those in once you pour them down the side. Um, you could fold them in if you prefer, but you just make sure you don't want to kind of knock out all of the air from the um, from the whisking that you've already done with the eggs and sugar. But I think it's kind of inevitable, inevitable that some of it will go down a bit, um, but it will still be very light, don't worry. So then you add your dry ingredients, so your flour, your salt, your tea leaves, your um, bicarb, your baking powder, and whisk or fold that in. Again, just until it's combined. Um, you don't want to kind of overmix it so that it becomes tough. You also don't want to knock out all of the air. Um, and then you just transfer that to the loaf pan and bake it. Um, it takes about an hour. Um, but don't be afraid to go shorter or longer. Um, it's all about what the cake uh, is like inside, not about the having exact timings. So depending on your pan, depending on the oven, you may need to do it for 50 minutes, you may need to do it for 70 minutes. Just really kind of go by um, what you know about your oven and you can do the skewer test um, because it's quite a large cake that's much more reliable than just pressing the top um, because you could still have a raw middle. So I would insert a skewer into the centre. Um, if it comes out clean, you're good to go and then you can pull pull the cake out of the oven. You probably want to leave that, um, once you've taken it out of the oven, leave it in the tin for a good while to cool because if you take it out of the tin straight away the crumb is going to compress um it probably by the way will fall a little bit when cooling anyway but if you leave it in the tin it's got a better chance of not kind of squidging down too much so that's my tip for that and then you want to you might want to like turn that out onto a wire rack but definitely leave it in the tin for quite a good amount of time um, yeah, so that's it for the recipe. You can find the written recipe on flourbuttereggsugar.com. Um, but I really enjoyed this. I was surprised at how much I liked the rose. It was, I, it, there's not really any way to describe it because it doesn't really taste like anything else, but it's sort of fragrant. Um, the amount of rose water used, again, it does depend on the brand, but... Um, it was really well balanced with the old grey. You could definitely get both. Um, so this is the sort of thing where if I was asked to do a loaf cake, you know, 
um, on the Great British Bake Off, this is what I would do, I think, because it's sort of unusual. It's sort of surprising, but it's absolutely delicious. Um, I took this into work and my colleagues really liked it, some of them. Um, I think Rose wasn't necessarily everybody's cup of tea, so not all of them tried it in my office, but those that did loved it. They said it was really well balanced, that the texture was amazing, um, it was delicious. So I think if you are a slightly more adventurous um, eater or baker, then it's really, really worth trying. Um, and it's, it keeps really, really well. So um, yeah, very, 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 very good recipe. So thank you, Molly Baz. And... I've very tweaked, tweaked it here and there very slightly and uh, converted it into much more reliable uh, <laughs> uh, metric measurements. So next I'm going to be talking about some of the Easter baking that I've been doing. So in terms of Easter baking, um, I've now made four batches of hot crust buns, um, which for a household of two is quite a lot, but... Um, I've been eating like one a day <laughs> for the last few weeks, at least, sometimes two. Um, I had two for breakfast just this morning, actually, as well. So it's, yeah, so we have been really enjoying them. Um, but we are we are also giving some away to friends. So, but yeah, I've been really going through them. Um, I absolutely love hot cross buns. I think... I don't really know how common they are in other countries, but here they're just sort of everywhere and they are a complete staple of the season. I mean, they pretty much start selling them in July, January, after just after Christmas, because they're really popular. Um, and I've really enjoyed making my own. With Like with all baking, I love the learning from it, the process, and I like making my own sort of making things to my own tastes so these are really extra fluffy like I think you would be hard pressed to find fluffier uh, hot cross buns to be honest and that's because there is a real really colossal amount of fat in them <laughs> from the um there's a sink there's a tub of single cream um and there's also butter and there's also two eggs so they're quite heavily enriched um, and that just makes them incredibly soft. Um, but, you know, they're not meant to be a health food. So they're really delicious. Uh, there's quite a fairly sort of heavy spicing, um, which is exactly how I like it. But you could absolutely change that and fiddle around with the spices to your own taste. Like, um, And also, if you want to replace the mace with a little bit um, of nutmeg you could um, I would be a little bit cautious about freshly grated nutmeg because it's quite strong so maybe just do a little bit less um, but other than that yeah you can definitely sort of play around with the the spicing make it to your own tastes or you could just use mixed spice and a bit of cinnamon if you don't want to get go through the whole hog of spices um, my recipe has in it mace cinnamon allspice ground coriander and ginger um, so yes, this is a really easy recipe, um, which I've been kind of developing over the last few weeks. I'm not going to go through the whole recipe because I did that with the cake. 
So what I'm going to ask you to do instead, if you want to have a look, is to go onto the website um, and have a look there, which will be in the, the latest post. Um, and it's sort of based on my standard roll recipe, really, my standard enriched roll recipe. Um, so very much like the cardamom buns that we did or the um, Cornish saffron buns, etc etc so it's quite similar to that but at the same time not because it's got different spicing and it's got loads of fruit in it um there seems to be different schools of thought about what kind of fruit to have in it i really like currants because they're quite small so you can get a nice distribution whereas raisins or sultanas are a bit bigger um but just you can just use whatever you've got um, and I would definitely recommend using citrus uh, candied peel. I think it really makes a big difference. I think it kind of scents the whole dough as well as having those little chunks in there too. So I, I definitely would include that. Um, yeah, so and there is a lot of variation about how much fruit to include. Um, there's a lot of variation in terms of spicing. I was a bit shocked that Paul Hollywood's recipe only has cinnamon in it, doesn't have mixed spice or any other spices. Um, I was I was sort of offended, <laughs> to be honest. Like, where's where's the rest of the spices? Um, what are you doing? So, yes. And the, the other thing to say is that I mentioned on previous episodes the struggles that I was having with making the crosses. I think I finally resolved those. So... Um, the, first of all, the consistency was wrong and I was actually using a very standard recipe. Like it seemed to be that everyone was saying to use sort of equal weights of flour and water, but that was just not working for me. So I did slightly more water um, because it was just too thick otherwise. Um, and that's worked really well. So 60 grams of plain flour and 70 grams of water seemed to be about perfect and the other thing is just make sure that you're um you cut a really neat little hole into the piping bag or the plastic bag that you're using as a piping bag um so that it doesn't just sort of go everywhere um so yeah but other than that like now I've kind of honed this recipe it's really really good and um, I highly recommend it it's a, sadly a bit late, isn't it, <laughs> for anyone listening or reading my blog, because it's, it's you know, Easter's kind of gone, almost. Um, but we've still got Easter Monday. Um, some people still might have some more time off. So do feel free to make them if you want to, um, or save them till next year. Um, and then the other thing that I made were some chocolate nests. And these, I would argue, are a really good way of using up a ridiculous amount of chocolate. Um, if you are just sort of feeling like I've got way too many Easter eggs, first of all, lucky you. Um, I was in this position because very kind, some very kind people at work um, gave me some eggs. And... I sort of had too many, to be honest. So I ha I did melt some down into this. Um, I hope that won't offend them too much. Um, but I've still kept quite a lot of chocolate to eat. 
Um, and it's just quite a nice activity. Me, my partner and I were doing this um, together, but she she's because she's like really good at decoration, and I'm not. I am a messy a messy cook. <laughs> But it would be a really nice thing to do with kids because it's like ridiculously easy. And I used the recipe from Jane's Patisserie, which is a really lovely, simple recipe. I just love it when a recipe is so straightforward that you just know that you can trust it. Um, so it's just 400 grams of chocolate, 100 grams of butter, 100 grams of golden syrup and seven shredded wheats, a pinch or two of salt. That's my addition, by the way, because if your if your chocolate's really sweet, it's a really good way of balancing out some of that sweetness. But you could also use a bit less golden syrup as well, in that case. Um, yeah, and then your some mini eggs and any other kind of springtime or Easter decorations. So we happen to have some little flowers in the house, some little kind of wafer flowers. So we use some of those. Um, Gemma made some little mini eggs that were coloured she made some teeny little cute little chicks um so you can see the photo on the website it's really really cute um so yeah they're really really delicious it's very simple good to make with kids and just quite a good way of using up chocolate and on that note I have really been enjoying everything that Ravneet Gill does she's amazing she's a pastry chef who is a judge on the junior bake-off and she has a book called the pastry chef's guide and i just think she's fabulous um and she has put out been sort of doing some blogs for the guardian and observer recently um so she did one that was like rating different chocolate eggs um ranking and reviewing them she did one where she was using up the chocolate from the eggs that she'd had to review. Um, and that that's quite a nice place to go as well. If you've got loads of chocolate sitting around um, that you feel like you're never going to get through, she's got some nice recommendations of things you can do with it, including one for homemade hazelnut spread, which ooh, I may have to make that. Um, so... If I do, I will let you know how that goes. Um, so that is it for this week. And next I'm going to be letting you know what's coming up. So this is still florals for spring month. And we are going to be looking at chamomile, elderflower and orange blossom. I think probably next time it might be the orange blossom recipe. I'm going to warn you in advance that this is going to be a bit of a cake month because... Um, that seems to be the best use of florals a lot of the time. I'm sure you can use them in, in cookies and biscuits. Um, I'm sure you can use them in other things too, but the, the flavours that I chose seem to be more common in cakes. So there is going to be quite a lot of cake. But then next month, May, I think I'm going to be doing a, a sort of pastry month. So we'll have a bit of a break from cake there. And I'm going to be taking on some really exciting things like making croissants from scratch, um, which uses a yeasted puff pastry, which is very, very exciting. So levelling up, levelling up, levelling up. Um, yeah, so next week I think it's going to be probably some kind of orange blossom cake, maybe with polenta. 
um, or one of those kind of maybe semolina, one of those kind of like interestingly textured syrupy type of Middle Eastern cakes. I think that's what I'm going to be going for. So tune in and listen along and see what I eventually decide to do. <laughs> um, very profesh as always. Um, so I hope you have a wonderful week. Hope things are going okay where you are and that you're well. And happy Easter or Passover if you celebrate either of those. Um, or have a nice bank holiday weekend if that applies to you. Um, but if not, enjoy. Yeah, and have a lovely, have a lovely time. And I'll see you next week. Bye.